0: Welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And you can find more about us by visiting anglicandolby.org.au This week's sermon is entitled, Love, and it focuses on Mary's song. It's the last of our Advent series, The Coming Saviour. And the text is Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. We hope you enjoy the
1: sermon. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St Luke, chapter 1, beginning at the 39th verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favoured, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Loving Lord Jesus, we thank and praise you for your power in our lives. We thank you for your love and grace. And as we explore Mary's song, we pray that you would help us to hear her voice and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, Christmas is all about love. To illustrate my point, we're going to kick off this morning with a Christmas love song quiz. I'm going to share a lyric with you and the challenge is for you to fill in the blanks. All right, so we're going to start with the mother of all Christmas lyrics. All I want for Christmas is Ah! Oh. <laughs> My two front teeth, wow. Kim, what were you thinking? Were you thinking two front teeth? You, yes, I was thinking Mariah Carey's All I Want For Christmas Is You, but I think think the two front teeth have it. Micah, do you want to go into the kids' area and and work, work on stuff there? Yeah, all right. Otherwise, you can take a seat. Okay, all right, next Christmas lyric. Last Christmas I gave you my heart, well done. But the very next day, you gave it away. Gave it away. George Michael's um, love ballad there. All right, I saw mummy kissing Santa Claus. Probably the Christmas lyric I loathe the most. And, and the last one, love is in the air. Everywhere I look around, yes. <laughs> I probably should have um, had some other spaces there. Yeah, that's right. Um, Aussie John Paul Young's Lovers in the Air was released in December 1977. Who remembers Christmas 1977? A couple of hands. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, I don't. That was um, 11 years before I was born. Um, but uh, Lovers in the Air, beg your pardon? I missed out, yeah, I hear the 70s were pretty exciting. Uh, Lovers in the Air was released in Christmas 1977, um, and it became the top single the following year. Today, as we think about love, we're going to look at a, an earlier Christmas song, one that is probably the first ever Christmas love song. And, of course, it's Mary's song, which Ken just read. And it begins, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This song has been spoken and sung for thousands of years in cathedrals, in monasteries, and in underground churches. People have been reciting and chanting and reflecting what this song has to teach us about God and about God's love. So as we look at the backstory to this song and the song itself, we're going to look at what Elizabeth shows us about love, what Mary shows us about love, and finally, what God shows us about love. Our Bible readings today show us how interwoven the lives of Mary and her relative Elizabeth and that of their sons, Jesus and John, are. Loving yourself isn't all that much fun. And true love can only happen in relationship. This is why Luke begins his account of Jesus' life, not by talking about Jesus, but by giving us John the Baptist's birth story. An angel comes to an old priest named Zechariah and tells him that his wife Elizabeth will have a son. Zechariah can't believe this because... He and Elizabeth are too old. They're beyond childbearing age. But to prove the angel's message, Zachariah is dumbstruck and can't speak until John is born. Six months later, another angel, a top-notch angel called Gabriel, visits a young virgin called Mary. She also finds out she's going to have an unexpected pregnancy. But she receives... The angel's message with faith. In Luke one thirty eight, Mary answers, "I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled." And then the angel left her. Now, as proof of his claim, Gabriel tells Mary that Elizabeth, her relative, possibly uh, her cousin or an aunt, is having a miraculous baby too. So Mary rushes to Elizabeth. And when she finds her, something amazing happens. Luke tells us that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now it's at this point that Elizabeth takes center stage in the story, and she has an opportunity to sing. She sings, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you were there. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, if you grew up in a Roman Catholic church, you'll realize that um, part of the Hail Mary prayer is Elizabeth's prayer. Elizabeth gets her own little solo But notice she honors Mary, and the unborn John the Baptist leaps for joy in the presence of Mary and the baby in her womb. And John will do this throughout his life. He will leap, and he will prepare the way for Jesus. That's what we've been looking at over the last two weeks. The key thing I feel that Elizabeth shows us about love is how true love elevates others. There is no room for envy jealousy or even indifference and apathy elizabeth is older wiser and she's even the wife of a priest but she can't believe that the mother of her lord would come into her presence she further pumps mary up by blessing her for her simple faith in god's promises friends as we gear up for christmas It's so easy to be overcome with Christmas envy. Whether it's someone who gets the present you wanted, Micah, whether it's someone who gets the present you wanted, or the friend whose kid is more successful than yours and and you hear about them ad nauseum at Christmas lunch, or whether it's your neighbors who seem to have all the time in the world to put up a beautiful Christmas lights display when you're just trying to make it through the day. Consumption thrives on envy. And coveting at Christmas chokes our hope, upsets our peace, and robs us of our joy. But when we let the love of the Holy Spirit flow through us at Christmas, we can rejoice alongside Elizabeth and marvel at the fact that God would come into our world and live amongst us to set us free. So that's what um, Elizabeth shows us about love. Let's look at what Mary shows us about love. Now, this is a mega point, uh, and I'd love it if there was some sort of neat love acronym and it would spell it out. Um, But here in Mary's song which is packed with Old Testament references, the main one is Hannah's song in 1 Samuel, Mary lists 14 things about God's love and make him worthy of our love too. And so if you have your pew bulletins, there's space in there, and you might want to write these 14 points down because they're pretty incredible. The first is that God is saviour. Again, if you grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, uh, you might have heard that that Mary is is sinless, um, that she was ever a virgin uh, and that she was totally sinless. But here we see that she knows that she needs a saviour. She wasn't sinless. We all need a saviour. And Mary sings, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The second thing we learn about God is that God is mindful. Mary gives thanks to God for his mindfulness. Often it's tempting to think that God is distant, but Mary has heard and now she's experienced God's love for her. She's experienced God as a person who knows her and loves her magnificently. God isn't too distant. Or too busy, friends, to care about you. God is mindful of you too. The third thing we find out about God is that God is a blessing God. Mary sings about how from generation to generation, all generations will call her blessed. Again, if you're feeling jealous that Mary got to be God's mum, remember Elizabeth's love. And also remember the terrifying mission Mary will go on throughout her life. God wants to bless you with your own challenges and privileges. God wants us to take hold of the legacy that he has for us and an opportunity to bless further generations. The fourth thing we hear is that God is mighty. God can do all of these things because of his power. Mary sings, the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. God is omnipotent, which is a fancy word for all-powerful. Mary loves God, not because he's all-powerful, but in her love she can see all of God's power. God can reverse all the sin, the sadness, and the pain of this world and incinerate it in the power of his love. Love rests on trust, and we can trust God because God is omnipotent, but also God is holy. Holy is the word Mary uses to describe someone who is pure, who is morally blameless and perfect. We can love God and trust his character because God is holy. He is pure goodness. We don't really talk about holiness. We don't think about our world in terms of holy and unholy today. But deep inside, all of us know what it is to come in the presence of someone who is powerful, and yet evil, that's unholiness. But we also know what it's like to come in the presence of someone who is powerful and good. That is holiness. There is a lot of hardship and struggle ahead of Mary, but because she trusts in God's power and in his holiness, she can sing. Then Mary talks about God's mercy. She sings, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Again, Mary throws herself on God's mercy. She isn't perfect in herself and needs God's unmerited kindness. She fears God in the sense that she knows God and knows that God is more powerful than anything else she could possibly be afraid of. But unlike the things she's afraid of, she can trust in God's goodness. And that's why fear of the Lord is unique. Again, notice the timelessness of God's mercy from generation to generation. The next thing we learn about God is that God has been good in the past. In his love, God has performed mighty deeds with his arm, Again, she's not talking about a literal arm, but she's talking about God, how God intervenes in our time and space to rescue his people. The next thing we learned about is that God humbles the proud. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which we often read at weddings, says love is not proud and it does not boast. It's difficult to love anyone when you're proud because you're so caught up in yourself. In God's love, he humbles the proud so that they might love again and also so that the humble might recognize the toxicity of pride. God doesn't humble the proud because he's afraid of competition. God humbles the proud in love, knowing that pride hemorrhages love and humility releases it. And that brings us to point number nine. Mary reminds us that God has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. Mary lives in a world of tyrants, people trying to control their lives, but she knows a God who brings down tyrants in life. We live in a world where leaders seem to be taking advantage of people and getting away with it, We don't know who to trust. And political leaders seem to let us down time and time again. Mary's song reminds us that bad rulers won't last, but God's love will. God will bring down bad governments. So in love, we let him govern our lives. The next thing we learn is that God lifts up the humble. Love doesn't force or coerce. And if we're going to be agents of God's love, like Mary was, we need to humble ourselves, knowing that it's God who lifts us up. This is a consistent theme throughout the Christmas story, and that's why it's our theme for Christmas. Love came down. That means that we can humble ourselves, reaching out to people and getting on their level to bless and to serve. If God's love comes down from heaven to earth to serve others, then we must be ready to stoop down and serve others ourselves. The next thing we learn is that God feeds the hungry. And it's here that Mary shows us the practical aspect of God's love. Love in theory is cute, but love in action is awesome. This week I got an email from someone wanting to share a food hamper with someone in need at Christmas. I also uh, visited Pam Tor and Pam, um, we shared communion together and we spoke about Christmas, and, and she spoke about a lovely parishioner who came along and brought her flowers and sat with her for two hours just chatting and showing her God's love. She wanted to share a special thank you with the whole church for how, We've been praying for her and caring for her. Mary talks about this type of love. And whether it's hunger for food or hunger for companionship or hunger for justice, in God there is satisfying practical love. next thing we hear is that God empties the rich. This is where you need to see that the gospel comforts the disturbed but it also disturbs the comfortable. Mary recognizes that Jesus will not be good news to those who hoard and think only of themselves. Let's never forget the images of people fighting over toilet paper in the supermarkets last year. Greed wants to gobble up love. Christmas is a great time to look at ourselves, think, about how we're sharing the time, the talents, and the treasures God's given us and to empty of ourselves in order to love others. 13, God remembers his servants. As Mary finishes up her song, she shows us that the Lord remembers his servants. If you're feeling like God has forgotten you, like he used to walk closely with you, but hasn't in a while, This aspect of God's love is for you. Loneliness and um, anxiety is, is a big thing throughout the year, but it's an even bigger thing throughout Christmas. And so we need to remember that God remembers his servants. God can welcome others to the table without taking his attention off you. How good is that? And this brings us to our, our final aspect of God's love. In remembering his servants, God keeps his promises. Abraham received promises of land, family, and blessings from God way back in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. But for some reason, he's on Mary's lips in her song. Why? Because in her surprise baby, God's promises are kept and fulfilled. Jesus makes a way for you and I to come into God's promised land. Through baptism, Jesus makes a way for you and I to become part of God's family. And through Jesus, God blesses us and saves us and redeems us so that we might be a blessing to others. Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises in a baby-sized package. Friends, how can you not be drawn to a love like this? Mary is frightened, she's overwhelmed, and she's very out of her depth, and she knows all this. But God's love melts all her anxieties away until all she's left with is praise this brings us to our final point what god shows us about his love in the birth of jesus god shows us true love a sunday school teacher once asked her class why jesus is often referred to as the word of god A little girl stuck up her hand and said because that's all god wanted to say exactly Jesus is the exact image and representation of God, the fullness of God in a baby-sized package. Verse 56 caps off this little story of the gospel before the gospel beautifully. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. What is Mary doing here? When she arrives, Elizabeth is six months pregnant And so, ladies, what does she stay for? She stays for the birth. She stays to be there with Elizabeth through her third trimester, the hardest trimester. And then she sees the delivery of John the Baptist. Mary supports Elizabeth through her pregnancy and is there for John's delivery. Then she goes home, having sung God's praises seen them fulfilled, and then acted on them. Friends, this is the golden application for us today. Love is active, love is a verb. The love we celebrate at Advent is a roll up your sleeves and deliver a baby kind of love. It's not like those song lyrics that we we sang at the beginning of the service. It's not plastic, hollow, and vanilla. It's a forget-yourself-and-help-who-you-can kind of love. This is so different from the gluttonous, debt written, consumer type of love that we sing about in pop songs. It's so much better because this love is unfailing. And so, friends, as we draw closer to Christmas, let's keep meeting to sing God's praises and delight in his love as a church family. Then let's go out and love our neighbours. Let's roll up our sleeves and live in love for Christ's sake, singing along with Mary, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour.